It's always showtime at BetMGM Sports. You can make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000 when you sign up with the code SHERDOG. Don't let another game day go by without having the ultimate sports betting app in the palm of your hand. Discover non-stop excitement with BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and dozens of betting options, including live wagers, props, parlays, and much more. No matter what your favorite sport is or how you like to wager, find out why there's nothing like getting a W at the king of sportsbooks. Use the code SHERDOG and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Arizona, Colorado, Washington, D.C., Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Wyoming only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire in seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, and Virginia. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help uh, in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Tennessee, call the red line at 800-889-9789. In Mississippi, call 1-888-777-9696. Sports betting is void where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada. Hello there, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Sheehan Show here on Shardog.com. My name is Sean Sheehan, and I'm joined again today by Cage Warriors commentator Brad Wharton as we look ahead to the double header of Cage Warriors cards over in Colchester this weekend, Friday night. My birthday, Brad. We have Colchester, uh, Cage Warriors unplugged. Cage Warriors, what is it, 137, and in Cage Warriors, 138 on Saturday night as well with the full lineup that you'd expect from uh, the European leaders I suppose some people would call them although the KSW lot will probably give out to me and Bellator uh, Europe will give out to me and Bama's <laughs> knocking around they'll all be giving out to me what's your fuck I'm saying it anyway how are you Brad? Never, never heard of them never heard of them I'm very well thanks Sean obviously, obviously you know, the reason we're doing a show this Friday as well as the Saturday is to celebrate the birthday of the great Sean Sheehan so you know it's, it's all in your honour my friend and uh, we look forward to paying tribute I, I appreciate it. If only I could be there. Uh, it'd be absolutely fantastic. Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's specially invited guests only, mate. You're not on the list, unfortunately. So. <laughs> I'm like one of the, it's like one of them Jordan cards <laughs> Crown Prince Sean Sheen or something but anyway tell us about the Friday card You, the Cage Warriors have done unplugged cards before where I'm looking here it's at the moment anyway six fights um I know Paddy Pimlet was on one of them before. He used to do them in the BT studios and things like that. Give us a quick explainer of what that'll be like as opposed to normal card on Saturday. Well, if you want a really in-depth explanation, um, I wrote uh, a feature on cagewarriors.com that you can check out um, looking back at the first Unplugged show, uh, which is which is pretty cool. Um, obviously, it comes from the sort of concept of MTV Unplugged, 
um, which, you know, back when we first did it in, in 2016, I believe was quite unique, having an MMA event with no crowd um, in, in an empty venue. Uh, obviously, Not the last few years, um, <laughs> I've kind of, kind of put pay to that. Uh, but look, you know, the, the throughout the COVID era, obviously, you know, we had empty venues. It wasn't a stylistic choice. It was imposed upon us. Um, so it's nice to kind of go back to that. And I, and I do, I kind of hope, in a way that it's something that we keep doing maybe, you know, once a year or, or twice a year or something. Yeah, like we do with the Super Saturdays and, and the Night of Champions, something to just pull out of the bag that's a little bit different. Because, you know, it is kind of cool, you know, hearing all the sights and sounds and, you know, the, the leg kicks chopping in and, and, and the leather on skull uh, every now and again. I, I think, obviously, you know, the UFC is still doing it with the Apex, but as that dies out, I think, you know, maybe it could be like a nice little treat for Cage Warriors to whip out of the bag yeah. uh, every once in a while. But, yeah, like you say, you know, the first one, um, that was the infamous Paddy Pembler throwing up his um, macchiato or, or whatever it was. Ferrero um, Rashes. <laughs> yeah, all, all over my laptop. Um, so, yeah, that was lovely. Um, but, yeah, you know, we, we, it, it was done for the Conor McGregor, Eddie Alvarez night. You know, BT Sport wanted a big uh, build-up night. They didn't just want it to be, you know, studio stuff and, and playing like the, you know, embedded what whatever it is that they were doing at the time, the preview shows. Um, so that that was why they did the unplugged. They did it in the BT studios as, as a kind of lead in, uh, and then we did another one uh, a few years ago, which had the tournament, famously of course, with Jack Cartwright with the one night tournament for their bantamweight title. So uh, this time we're taking it to Colchester for the first time. Um, some interesting fights, as we said. You know, there's been a lot of chopping and changing again with the fight cards, but uh, there's some fun stuff uh, which I guess we'll be talking about. A hundred percent. Tell us about Colchester as well, because I don't know. I think I was talking to, to Jake Smith on on one of our uh, on one of the previews over in, over in Severe Maine. He was telling me the the the, the Colchester Cage Warriors Academies do awful well. There's a great scene in Colchester that you know people maybe over in the, uh, over in America or me even here in Ireland that I didn't really know loads about. Tell us a little bit about that. It's it's a, a really good scene and a thriving scene in in that part of the UK. Yeah, it is. It's, um, you know, it's in the southeast of England. Um, it's outside of London, so it's kind of nearer to the East Coast. Um, and there's there's a big scene, there's a big grappling scene, especially around that part of the country. Um, BC MMA is probably the biggest team that, that people might know, uh, which is Jack Mason's team. Arnold Allen, of course, originally coming out of there. Um, and there was the Tsunami team in Cambridge as well, which were basically linked to that gym uh, with the likes of John Maguire, Luke the Big Slope Barnett, uh, guys like that that have come out of over the years. Um, and there's a huge, huge amateur scene. Uh, BCMMA is now the Cage Warriors Academy Southeast, um, and they are putting on, you know, 35 fights a night, and they're absolutely packing it out. You know, they're, they're, they're practically selling the place out double because people come for like, the first 15 fights to see one lot of guys and then they'll empty out and people will come back in for the second lot to see another set of guys. So there's a huge, huge fan base there. Um, I've called a lot of fights on the Academy show there of the years myself. Uh, loads of great amateurs. Uh, and, you know, we like George Nasser, for example, is fighting this weekend. Um, James Webble have started there. Thomas Robertson, uh, the Norwegian guy, um, he started off fighting on on those uh, Southeast shows. It's, it's a great scene. And um, as we say, we'll be seeing some of the guys that have come out of that scene this weekend. Let's get into some of the fights. So, and the, let's start to the main event in night one. Uh, and that's Matthew Vonner against uh, Joel Coeja. Uh I actually I just spoke to to James Webb just, literally just before we were doing this interview, and obviously he uh, lost to Matt Bonner in his last fight. You know, Bonner former champion, and 
you know, the, the hands in that fight, you just couldn't get past the speed, even though James Webb had a lot of success in that. And look at it, Joel as well. Obviously, you know, we were talking about the card coming through late. I haven't had a chance to look through uh, much of him. Seven and eight record, but if you if you look at his gym, uh, Saladin Paranas, William Gomez, and lots more of those names. Um, I, I often see, right, I look at a Cage Warriors card and I see, uh, I see a blue, white, and red flag alongside someone, or I see a green white and red flag alongside him and I think oh what's Ian Dean after doing now if I haven't seen this lad before and I feel like we could be in for another one here because Ian Dean doesn't put someone in against Matt Bonner unless they're uh, able to go in there and fight someone as good as Matt Bonner so sight unseen uh, I, I look forward to this one I assume you know a little bit more than me about him but what, what do you think of this yeah. one? I mean what, what, what I will say is that even if you did not know that he fought at the same gym as Saladin Panas uh, and William Gomez take a look at some of the footage of this guy and you'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, I see I see what you mean here. Really good in the clinch, really good hands, really good knees, solid on the ground, just exciting. He's got one shot knockout power. Uh, he's also a really good volume striker. He loves mixing up the punches to the body, the knees in the clinch. Uh, he loves bullying guys around the cage in, in the clinch as well. Um, his submission defense is really, really good. Um, you know, even looking back to some uh, some of his losses, he's been able to defend some crazy submissions. He's got elastic limbs, like you know, I've seen him in arm bars and heel hooks, and you think, oh my goodness, this is not going to end well. And he somehow manages to find a way out. Um, as you say, uh, a, a seven, seven and eight record, I, I believe, or, or, or somewhere thereabouts. Um, he's won his last six in a row, so he hasn't lost since twenty. 18, I believe. Um, he he lost um, he he lost seven of his first eight fights, um, and then just went on a tear. Um, he's been competing a lot on the French scene, um, so a lot of those early fights were two rounders, not under full rules. And if you kind of look at the guys who were competing in France around them around that time, a lot of those guys have spotty records. Um, you know, you can lose a decision in two rounds quite easily, even if you've got great cardio and, and, and you come into the ascendancy. Um, and, I, you know, I don't know what the judging criteria was for some of those old 100% fight league uh, shows anyway. So I wouldn't read too much into the record. Just whack his name to YouTube and there's some crazy finishes and some really cool looking footage. Um, also comes out to the cage with a giant chainsaw. Um, so what, what more do you want? Uh, the, the guys... Uh, I can't ask for any more than <laughs> Yeah, I don't think... It's permissible to have it in the cage <laughs> under the unified rules. I will check with Mark Goddard. I'll, I'll get clarity on that uh, by the time of the broadcast. I mean, maybe if it's a draw, we could just throw the chainsaw in and do see what happens. Do you know the way they like to pat them down? You know, they check for the on the pat them down. <laughs> yeah. oh, chainsaw, oh, sorry. <laughs> pulls it out of his shorts. <laughs> but if it's an interesting got into a cage with a toothpick, so you'd never know. Maybe he will get in with it. He can slip it in there somewhere. But a quick word on Matt Bonner as well, just before, obviously, that that's the big one. You know, it's a big fight for him as well he's come on maybe you know not the best record in the world as well uh, 11 7 and 1 but like he's last what five his last six fights only lost to Jatty Milan who was you know obviously very very good and you know beat Natalia's Frederick beat James Webb beat Matt Inman it's a big fight for him to kind of get back into winning ways here isn't it? and get back I suppose towards that title again yeah absolutely you know I think Matt was probably um you know, for, for me, at least, the, the story of the whole trilogy era, you know, obviously we, we had guys like um, Jack Cartwright and Mason Jones and Ian Gary fighting those cards. And, you know, it was almost written in the stars for those guys. You know, we we always knew those guys were going to be a great success. And Bonner, as you say, a guy who's been around the scene a long time, only taking great fights, uh, never been stopped. 
uh, but had a bit of a spotty record, you know, because he's, he's not not taking the easy fights no way up. He's just been fighting absolute killers, and um, pretty much all of his pro fights uh, under the cage warriors banner as well. So, you know, never an easy night at the office for Matt Bonner. But the the run that he put together through that trilogy series was phenomenal. George Smith, Matt Eamon, James Webb, as we just talked about. And of course, that crazy fight with Natasha Frederick, who, who was looking unstoppable at the time. Um, you know, it was a one-sided loss to Jesse Milan. I think it's fair to say that. Uh, just couldn't get anything going in that fight until, you know, maybe the last 90 seconds, which were, you know, super dramatic. He looked like he might have been able to stop him there. Uh, but looked great dropping down in weight last time against uh, Hugo Pereira. Um, he's back down at 177 again, I believe, for this fight. Obviously, um, he's planning to make the move back to welterweight where he has competed before. Um, but again, with this kind of being a little bit late in the day, it, it's another catchweight contest. Um, and I think that's good. You know, he, he's not jumping into the shark tank at 170. Um, you know, he's not going from fighting a, a massive dude like Natalia Frederick, a former light heavyweight, um, you know, to, to be, being in there against top tier uh, welterweights. But look, another win here. And then you're saying, well, look, you know, may, maybe he, uh, he he fights the winner of the Jim Wallhead fight that's coming up in London, and then he's in for the welterweight title by the end of the year. Who who knows? Um, you know, you would imagine that the winner of uh, McKee Burlington will probably go straight to the UFC, so that, that belt might be open by the end of the year. And if Matt Bonner can get another win here, then, you know, his name's right in the hat. Yeah, you never know as well, but with, like, the London card coming up at the same time, as around the same time as the cage warriors car there might be a bit of a delay even so maybe if freeze especially i didn't give freeze considering he had the shot already in the ufc if he wins it maybe he'll defend it one or two times and it could that'd be a great fight i think that'd be a fun fight but uh yeah big fight for him to win there one of the most heartening things of this weekend is tanio pagliariccio an spg ireland fighter on a cage warriors card has the wall been knocked? What, what has happened? Is, is, uh, this is great. And, you know, okay, we may be not get into it too much, but I don't know how this is happening. But I'm, I'm looking forward, uh, you know, to seeing that. And hopefully we see more of that because we talked about it. You know, he's not, you know, he's from Italy, obviously. But for Irish MMA especially, I think it'd be great to see a lot of uh, a lot of SPG people. Any insight in that, Brad? Or is it just one of those things? You know, g- genuinely, I, I, I don't know. Obviously, you know, we all, we all know kind of what the score is um, with the SBGI guys not being on Cage Warriors much over the past few years. Uh, there's been plenty of SBG guys on though. You know, Alex Edelman's had guys on. We've had guys from SBG Rochdale, SBG Manchester, um, SBG Murray, I believe. Um, Even SBG Inverness back in the day. I think Nicholas Dalby was with SBG Ireland as well once when he fought. So it's not, it's not, yeah, it's yeah. not the first It's one. not unheard of. No. But um, look, you know, who knows? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's I, above my pay grade, shall we say. Uh, but look, you know, Chandler Pagliaricci is a great fighter. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, seeing him on Cage Warriors. 100%. Uh, speaking of Irish MMA as well, Omran Shaban is fighting Jack Dedeme in, in this card. And that's one of the standouts for me. You know, Omran has fought once before in Cage Warriors. Uh, went over and he fought. It was UAE Warriors he fought, hasn't he? And now he's come back and, you know, I've heard Chris Fields speaking recently and, you know, as I mentioned, just spoke to James Webb. All these guys coming through, you know, Takamandu as well, they're signing with Cage Warriors, they want to go to the UFC and that is their plan. And that's, you know, in Irish MMA, obviously a little bit biased here talking in, in the way we're speaking. That's something we've been missing for a long while, obviously because of you know the what we just spoke about the SPG guys. Now some of them have ended up in the UFC, obviously, but a lot of them have gone the Bellator route, which you know you can decide which route you prefer. But it's you know we've seen it with okay Gary, we've seen it with uh, Paul Hughes uh, still there at the moment, and obviously a lot of the Cork lads, SPG Cork lads as well. Let, let's uh, let's point that out. Uh, 
but it's it feels like we have we're at the start now of the next band of kind of maybe even Dublin MMA fighters here with the the Team GF guys coming through. He's fighting dead MMA. I I tried to see as much of him as I can. I I, I couldn't find his MMA fight, but I, I found some kickboxing fights. He looks to be a very good kickboxer and things. You know, Omar Shaban is a kickboxer as well. He's a well-rounded fighter. You see, all these Team KF fighters, they look the same. You know, they come out, they kickbox very well. They take guys down. They have great jiu-jitsu. They can do it all. It's an interesting fight, isn't it? Do, do you know much about Dedeme? And, and uh, what, what, do you, uh, what do you think of the fight between him and Shaban? Well, yeah, you know, he, like you say, he's got the kickboxing background. But if you look at his MMA career, all, all of his wins, I believe, are either by submission or ground and pound. Um, you know, he's, he's got the dreaded Will Cairns exhibition fight on the record as half of the UK fighters do. <laughs> um, but, you know, as an amateur, uh, he's 3-0, three arm bars. Uh, so, the, you know, the guy's dangerous uh, wherever the fight goes. Obviously, you know, competing on the regional scene as a pro early in his career, the level of competition has been great. Uh, he actually fought a guy called Craig Allen, who is um, another one of the legendary journeymen from uh, from way, way back, who kind of just, just re-emerged out of uh, a puff of smoke uh, and t- turned up uh, to fight Jack recently. Um, you know, he's another one of the real characters from uh, about 10 years ago on the sort of UK circuit. Um, so he's not been hugely tested yet. And obviously, uh, against Omran, he's going to have the biggest test of his career. The, make no mistake about it, it's a big step up for him. Um, but he's got the style that could make it interesting. As you say, with the Team KF guys, we know they're all going to be great on the ground. They've got uh, Tom King doing the jiu-jitsu there. Uh, we know they're going to be well-prepared in terms of the experience that Chris Fields brings. And, you know, if you look at all the, the guys that they're sparring with, like the, the likes of the Shelleys, the likes of Takamandu, um, how can you not get good at striking when that's what you've got to deal with every day? It's like, if you don't get good, it's going to be a rotten day in the gym any day of the week uh, at Team KF. So really looking forward to this one. Uh, it's going to open the card on uh, on Friday night and I think it's going to be fireworks. Yeah, and if people haven't heard the, the story as well about Omran Chaban, he's literally living in the gym in Team KF. You know, we had it over in the, the old triangle over in Severe May. He did like a, a little run through a video. You can see it over in the, over in the Twitter. Literally on a on a, a, a bed, what would you call it? A couch bed, uh, living in the back of the gym there all the time. So... You know, it's he's doing all he needs to get to the very top. It'll be interesting to see him uh, this weekend. Um, let's jump on over to Cage Warriors 138. One of the undercard fights I'm very much uh, interested to see is Oban Elliott. You know, I spoke to Oban before his last fight, and he's fighting. I've been, I've been practicing this one now. Let's see, can I get it? Hercus Lucasulias. Not sure if that's right or wrong, but anyway. Um, I watched a bit of him as well. Not the easiest guy again to find footage on, but he's, you know, a good kickboxer. Um, has a few finishes uh, on his record. Has even a submission as well on his record. I, I wonder though, with Oban, the, the big story here, I suppose, is Oban Elliott coming through because you look, you look at Oban and he's, his last fight, and I, I'm not criticizing Ian Dean here or anything, but I'd say if Ian Dean could take back that matters for me, that's uh, matchmaking, I'd say he might, because it might have been, even though Oban dominated that fight for the first four minutes or so, when I went back and watched it last night, but it was one of those ones, maybe it was a little bit too soon for Oban Elliott, you know, obviously gone, changing weight class, gone up to 170, beat McManus. This is a big fight for him and another big test. Like, to me, Oban is still one of the the top prospects coming through in Cage Warriors, but it's it's been a tough road for him so far, fighting Flaminas and Figlak, or losing to Flaminas and Figlak, and obviously winning the rest of his fights, but this is a big one for him to bounce back here, isn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, look, you know, I think history is going to show that losing to a guy like Figlak earlier on is, is there's no shame in that. You know, this guy's clearly destined for very, very big things. Uh, Flaminas, for me, is one of the most awkward fighters to get matched up against, whoever you are. He's got a little bit of something for everyone and he's made life difficult for a lot of people. You know, he's beat Matt Bonner as well, um, the former middleweight champ. You know, this, this, guy's, this guy's no joke. Um, and that was a huge, huge step up for Oban. Um, and it, it's one of those things, you know, he, he, he was looking really good until he wasn't. Um, and, and that's the danger against a tricky guy like Flaminas. You know, they can pull victories out. Um, and that's what Flaminas did. You know, he was able to dominate when he got the fight to the ground. And Oban's a young guy still, you know, he's, he's young in his career. He's still in that learning phase. But this is a big fight for him. You know, it is a big bounce back fight. Um, unlike Flaminas, um, Lucasinus is an unknown quantity. You know, we don't know much about this guy. It's his first time on Cage Warriors. Um, and as you say, there's not much footage out there of his MMA fights. There's a lot of his kickboxing, uh, but there's not a whole lot out there in terms of MMA. So Oban's going to be coming into this one, you know, very much the favourite. Um, how much pressure is he putting on himself? I think that'll be the key question. I think, you know, I, I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, he said he's not going to be coming out here looking to take this guy's head off in the first minute or two, um, you know, like, like he did to, uh, with, with McManus. He's going to be taking it easy. He's ready for a good, hard three-round fight. Uh, and it's going to be a nice clash of styles for me. You've got the the sort of traditional uh, Lithuanian kickboxing style uh, versus the, the boxer in Oban. Um, I think Oban's going to be the superior fighter on the ground, so I won't be surprised to see Oban looking for takedowns. But you've got to be careful with Herka. So he, he's powerful. He's, he's coming off a big body kick KO, and I've seen him. Um, I've got in my notes uh, inverted crow cop because he's got a right high kick that will put you out, and he uses it a lot in his kickboxing fights. And he's got a, a really nasty KO. Um, one of his first MMA fights, he just sparked a guy in five seconds with uh, with a right high kick. So that's going to be something for Oban to look out for as well doesn't want to get into a firefight with this guy uh, and, and again i think it's gonna be a really good clash of styles and a really good fight 100 percent, yeah i can't wait for that one uh one guy i, I want to mention and you know it's, it's probably one of the opening fights but scott Pedersen is a guy who i kind of really respect he's one and three but if you look at the guys he's fought matthew elliott nick bagley and then nathan kelly who's obviously one of the top guys coming through you know that was in bellator he's back in cage where he's now fighting george tanasa but, you know, Pedersen, you know, he's fighting out of uh, Jim with uh, Jack Shore up, up, in, uh, up in Wales. I, I'm always impressed watching him. And I feel like he's the sort of guy who, you know, that record will kind of quickly change. You know, you spoke about one of the guys earlier on who lost a few fights in a row. But I feel like he's one of these guys where it could quickly change. Now, Tanasa, another guy, there isn't much on. I suppose he's fought in a couple of the shock, uh, shock and awe uh, um, fight nights. Maybe you know a bit, a bit more about him than I would. Uh it's a big fight, though, for Pedersen because, you know, one and three, there's a big difference between one and two and, uh, or sorry, uh, three and two and, or sorry, yeah, three, two and three and one and four, you know, so this is a big fight for him and he kind of, it's, it's not a must win, but it's a massive, massive fight in his career and I, I, I'm looking forward to, do you, are you kind of on, along the same lines? It's one of the, one of the guys who's probably, everyone knows how good he is on the scene and they give him maybe a tougher fighter fights than he should have at this stage of his career and his record probably shows that. Well, the, the thing with Scott Pedersen is, uh, you know, you have to look at his amateur career. Uh, he had a lot of amateur fights, nearly 30 uh, amateur MMA fights. He was competing in the IMFs. So those fights were high-level fights as well. You know, he wasn't just in his local sports centre, you know, beating up... Beat Tobias Torilla, well, amateur. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, and if you look further than that as well, he's got a lot of uh, kickboxing titles. Uh, and I believe he's boxed as, as well. Um, so this is a guy who, you know, you look at his record, you know, even when he was 0-0 making his debut, it's not an 0-0 fighter. And it's, it's a similar kind of thing that we say with the guys like Christian Leroy Duncan, you know, he's he's not a six and zero fighter. He's he's a guy who's competing maybe maybe ten pro fights above that level. Uh, and Scott's the same, and he's been matched accordingly because you can't match Scott Pedersen against a guy who's you know just beat Reece Street. You, you just can't do it. It's not fair. Um, so you know, it's one of those records for DJs kind of things again. Uh, George Tanasa, similar situation. He's had some um, high level amateur fights himself. I think he was seven and four as an amateur. Um, you know, losing to guys like Alex Bodner, no shame in that whatsoever. A high level uh, guy on the UK regional scene who I would assume we'll be seeing uh, a lot more from um, in, in the next couple of years as well in terms of maybe fighting on, on a Cage Warriors or, or a Bellator Europe or, or something of that nature. Uh, so th- this is another one of those like cool prospect fights, like when uh, Scott fought Matty Elliott. I was really buzzed for that fight because, you know, two, two guys who've done a lot outside of pro MMA. Uh, and, and again, a similar sort of situation here. Tanasa as well, the local fighter, he's going to have a lot of fans in that venue um, that will be making a lot of noise for him. So going to be interested to see how Scott reacts to that as the away guy. But as you said, Sean, you know, when you find out for sure MMA, these guys know what the score is. They fought all over the world. I'm expecting both guys to be fully prepped and ready. 100%. Uh, with Michelangelo Lupoli against Conor Higgins, anyone knows a Conor Higgins fight, you know, you show up for that, it's going to be fun. Uh, Orlando Prince against Tom Mearns. Probably say the same for, you know, Mearns there as well. But the top two fights here, you know, and I've just said that about two guys, but Josh Reed is the guy. Like, if there's one guy in Cage Warriors, and I, lo- and I love Paul Hughes, and I love James Webb, and I love all these guys, if there's one guy you tell me is fighting and I'm watching, it's Josh Reed every single time. Now, it's a tough matchup here against Luke Shanks. Obviously, Luke, you know, fought down at 125 and had weight issues and everything like that. But this fight, you know, if Josh Reed, I, I think, look, Shanks is one of those guys. He's very good, well, well-rounded. He fights so far and hits hard, but his wrestling is obviously very good as well. But if Reed can keep this on the feet and he can go at Shanks and turn it into a bit of a war, there aren't many guys... You know, Nathaniel Wood is probably the only one, you know, who who get into a war with him and actually win those fights. So it's, you know, it, it, uh, Shanks will probably be the favourite here, I would guess, but there's there's no favourites against Josh Reed if he can turn it into a Josh Reed fight. I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, th- I mean, this to me is, is probably the highlight of my week um, in terms of, like, a fight that I wish I could just say to Dan and Dan, you have this one, guys, I'm... Just going to nip to the bar, grab points, myself a night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'll just see me stood behind them, just, you know, throwing, throwing my empty beer into the cage like an absolute idiot. Uh, but no, that, you know, but this, that's the kind of fight you want to be a fan for, right? It's the kind of fight you, you, you just want to watch. Um, it, look, it's, it, it's a pivotal fight for both guys as well. You know, uh, Josh Reed, again, one of these guys just never takes an easy fight. And, you know, he's won and he's lost and he's won and he's lost. Um, he's going to get that consistency. Um, you know, he had a great win last time against Herman Hizrayev. Um, looked like the crazy horse we know and love. Um, but, you know, you, you look back and then he's dropped one. And then before that, he's won one and he's dropped one. And, and to be fair, Shanks is in, in kind of a similar spot as well. Um, it's probably slightly more pivotal for Shanks because he had that situation whereby he, um, you know, he, he missed weight yeah. um, for, for two fights in a, in a row. Uh, well, 
he missed weight. He missed weight for two fights in a row. There was that crazy situation in the Sam Creasy fight where uh, Creasy tapped and the referee didn't see it, so they had to have the rematch. He, he missed weight for that, and then knocked Creasy out in the first round. You can't give a guy another flyweight title fight in a row after that. So whether his plans are at one thirty-five or whether this is just Cage Warriors have said, look, you need to fight at one thirty-five. And then shows you can make the weight before we're putting you back in for a title. I, I'm not sure how it's gone down, but I would assume that as what's happened here. Um, so it's pivotal for Shanks, whether his title aspirations are back at 125 or at 135, that he gets uh, that he gets a win. I think you know if you say, look, he's got a win over Sam Creasy by knockout. If he can beat Josh Reed, he's maybe only a fight or two away from the title. Um, not sure what's happening with Don Woodding at the moment, the current champion hearing a lot of rumours that he's going to be on the contender series. So whether he's going to be vacating his belt or not, I don't know. But again, could be a situation whereby towards the end of the year, the bantamweight title's open. And if Shanks and Reed can get two wins behind them, for my money, they're, they're both in there. I think a guy like Josh Reed is never going to be more than, than two or three fights away from a title shot in Cage Warriors. And if he can get a spectacular finish against Shanks, that's going to be all to his credit and vice versa. If, if Shanks can take out a top guy at 135, then he puts himself right back in the conversation. Yeah, I, like I think Shanks has shown his quality over the last while, but like, you know, you couldn't deny Josh Reed a title shot in terms of like being happy for him. There's, you know, there's no guy in this scene who's given and you know given the, the fans more joy than, than him, an absolute an absolute warrior of a fighter and a great team. And I'd love to see him get a chance. You know, maybe get to the UFC. We talked about contender series. There's a guy that would be perfect for the contender series because he's the sort of guy who might lose and then I would still give him a contract because the fight is so good, you know? So that, that'd that be a lovely spot for him, I think. But yeah, great comment event. The main event in a very interesting fight, you know, James Webb, as I said, I li- literally just spoke to him and he kind of talked me through all of the injuries he's had over the last while. He said he came back to fitness in October of last year and then he blew out his knee. Uh, he spent the last two months of last year rehabbing that uh, and now he's been back to, to, to full fitness. Obviously, we're almost six months into the year, so he's back and fully fit from that. He told me he spent, I think it was 16 weeks uh, in Dublin preparing for this. He's left his job. He stopped doing PT. He said he's gone into debt with credit cards and all just to train, just to get, you know, and he said he's two wins away from the UFC, which is the thing. I You know, I hope he is, but it's I, I don't know if it's true, but this is a massive fight. Watching a bit of Leon Aliu, He's a strong, blown up, heavy guy, you know, very good athlete, unbelievable guillotine is one thing I would say, um, you know, but James Webb, we know what he's like on the ground, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, black belt, really, really good. It's a, it's an interesting fight, Brad, and a massive fight for James Webb in Colchester as well. Obviously, a Colchester boy is a, maybe a little bit of, of added pressure, but uh, it's, it's good to see James back in headlining cards again. You know, I, I really don't think it is added pressure for James because he absolutely loves fighting in front of the, the hometown crowd. Um, you know, he's fought on the London cars before and, you know, the number of tickets he's sold and the reception he's got has been absolutely insane. Um, you know, he, he had one of his best wins at the last Cage Warriors event in Colchester. And, you know, you could see how much he was feeding off that crowd. And, you know, his post-fight interview was great. He, you know, he, he was just lost for words from the uh, at, at the level of support. And he was... He just couldn't stop saying, oh, I love it. I love it. You know, it was like me walking into the all-you-can-eat Chinese. I have a very similar uh, kind do. of reaction myself. <laughs> just raise, raise my hands to the sky and, and, and give thanks. Um, but, you know, he, 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 he doesn't get phased by the pressure, I don't think, at all. I think he feeds off it. We all know what he can bring uh, to the cage 
in terms of his ground game. I think his striking has looked a little bit better every time we see him, which is something we say about pretty much everyone out of Team KF. There's always those little upgrades. And like you say, he's had a bit of time off. I think it's um, about a year and a quarter since he's, since his last fight. He's had the injuries, but he's also had a little bit of time to do some upgrades. You know, I, I know he had a really stressful time over the kind of pandemic period as well because he would kind of he was opening his gym and um, I think he was uh, had one of those flotation therapy businesses that he was just starting up and, and then lockdown happened. So you know that can't be good to have on your mind as well when you you know you're training for high level fights. So sounds like he's in a really good place now and he's been able to put the work in for this one. Uh, Leon Ali, though, like you say, uh, a real bull of a fighter himself. Um, a bit of ring rust, I, I would say. I think he's fought one since 2018. Um, so, you know, you would think, oh, James, James Webb's had over a year off. Well, actually, he's probably going to be the more informed of the two guys. But, you know, you don't know what Ali has been doing in that time. You know, has he been injured? He certainly doesn't look like he's the type of guy to just be sat on the couch uh, for, for three and a half years. So I'm sure he's going to come in fit and ready. Uh, and I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to um, to the ground game battles. I think we're going to see a couple of guillotine fights in uh in this one, and I'm all for a guillotine. So, yeah, very much looking forward to it. I'll give you a little bit of uh, what James said to me after we did the interview because I'm not fucking getting guillotine. <laughs> that's what he said to me. So that'll be uh, that'll be an interesting Melted. one. Uh, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be a fun uh, it'll be a fun fight. Uh, as you said, if it does go to the ground, like James as well in that interview spoke to me about how he has really concentrated on his jujitsu, and you know, you talked about the, the grappling, James, in near Colchester, and he was talking about training with the, the good grapplers around Colchester during the kind of the lockdown period and it really bringing his game up and, you know we talked about you know from the judging point of view I suppose before James's game being one of those ones where he lays on top and he doesn't do much but if he adds in you know a bit of ground upon he adds in uh, a few submissions it goes from a game that's you know maybe not there to a game that's unbelievable because he's control his takedowns very good so uh, a massive fight here for James coming back off that injury to get back to winning ways to get back towards the title and maybe even to get back towards uh, going to the UFC Brad thank you very much for joining me today uh, it's kind of I suppose it's the in between cards between like the, the bigger cards coming up with the London one obviously the, the Belfast card as well but uh, still in all it's it's pretty good and there's some of the you know some of the, the usual suspects on the card it's mad you know like cause it feels like ages since the last Cage Warriors does, yeah. but we, we, we did two at the beginning of April and two at the end of May so it's still four cards in two months there's another one there was one the week before the April shows. There's one the week after Colchester in uh, in San Diego, and then, like you say, we've got Belfast at the end of June, and the sort of summer series finishes with uh, with London in July, and I guess we'll, we'll, we'll take August off, and then uh, I believe September onwards is going to be busy as well. You know, if you if you keep up with uh, with Graham on social media, he said he's got big plans for Ireland. Um, I on. believe would you Limerick would you come on <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's do it alright alright afterwards yeah, um, no yeah I, I, I believe we'd, he, he said we'd, we're doing two cards in, in Ireland this year so I would assume Dublin or Cork will be on the cards between September and December and I think he also dropped hints about maybe bringing back the fight nights for Ireland so uh, again that that would be awesome you know, I know Graham's got big plans for the Irish scene and as you said you know, it feels like for the Irish scene that sort of build is starting again um, 
so yeah, hopefully it's going to be uh, a busy end of the year, and, and we'll be visiting the Emerald Isle a couple of times. Beautiful! Like I can't wait! I can't wait for it, and I'll be there. I'll be there, especially if it's in Cork. You know, now we're in twenty minutes down the road. Per- perfect. The mind is double. Belfast like fifteen hours away from me. I can't. I can't be getting the. I actually can't make it to Belfast anyway. But uh, next time. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the rest of Cage Warriors here. It's an exciting time for the scene, you know. With Obviously, you know, the big Bellator card coming up here and then the, the UFC London card. I'm sure Bellator will be back in London as well and all the cagers cards and, you know, UFC coming to France even, not too far away. A smash and Aries putting on great cards in KSW this weekend as well. So a smashing time for uh, for the European scene. And as always, Cage Warriors leading the way. So tune in Friday night, listen to Brad's lovely dulcet tones, the best commentary team in mixed martial arts, you have no judging bullshit out of those three lads uh, Friday night UFC fight, fight Pass, Saturday night UFC Fight Pass, tune in and watch and listen to the Cage Warriors My name is Sean Chee at ForSureDog.com He's Brad Wharton, we'll see you all next time <laughs>